That's a great song that talks. That's the second time I've done that. The third time it's been done. Okay, anyway, I'm tripping over something there. Um, it's not funny, Earl. Uh, anyway, that song really has to do with, with uh, um, honoring and worshiping God. He's a holy God. And that's what church is supposed to be. We, we, we all talk about church. We come and we are here to worship God or to honor God. Some people use the term glorify God, whatever. Um, isn't it interesting, though? Unfortunately, probably few things are more misunderstood than church. Because just if I just were to come up here and say, what do you think of when you think of church? Boy, would we get a whole bunch of different things going on here, wouldn't we? All kinds of different thoughts. Some would be positive. Many would be negative. And it's always interesting to me how um, Hollywood and, and, and television and so forth portrays church. And it's always interesting to me how they portray ministers, certainly. And I mean, we think of different... Let me show you one. This is just probably, maybe extreme, but a good example of, of how we see it so many times. We wanted somebody to look like me a little bit. <laughs> I get that all the time. Um, Steve Martin there, of course, and that's... Uh, a leap of faith. And I could never do that because I can't keep time. But um, I like the concept. Obviously, that's an exaggeration. Although, not much. In some places, not much. Um, but we have all of these conceptions and misconceptions about church and what is it and what it's not. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to, I, I've got kind of a sizable challenge on this because I'm, I'm speaking to people, even in, in, in both services, um, that coming, uh, you're coming from all different places in this whole spectrum. Some of you, this is, you know, church has been part of your life since you were a kid. Some of you, like me, since you were two weeks old. Some of you, I mean, there are some people here this morning, probably, I know there, were, there was at the uh, earlier service, for the first time ever go to church. They were here, which... I think is really cool, actually. But um, so I got, I, I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with a whole different spectrum of people, and I want to try to be appropriate for each one of you. And so let me just make a couple of, um, say, give you a couple of notes on this whole thing and, and tell you what my goal, uh, goals are. Um, first of all, I want to show you from the Bible what church is supposed to be, plain and simple. I'm not going to try not to tear anybody else down. I just want to just give you the positive aspects of what the Bible says church should be. Secondly, I want to really teach, if I can, the person here who's uh, what we would call a person of faith, the person who's stepped over that line and, and, and trusted Christ. I want to teach that person um, that he or she is an indiv- individual part of this thing we call church. The corporate church is comprised of individuals, and you're one of them if you're one of those people who's crossed over the line of faith and has become a person who has trusted Christ. And thirdly, I want those, there are some of you here, there's a, a number of you here, who are what I would call seekers. You're just, you're just seeking. You're just trying to figure it out. I'm not sure what I believe about this, um, and maybe I'm not even sure that I believe anything, but I'm just here to kind of check it out. And, I, I, and by the way, we are so thankful you're here. We really are. But for that person or persons, most likely, um, I want to say, first of all, as a representative, of, in some degree, I suppose, of, of clergy, I'm sorry for all the times that you have seen um, perversions of this thing that we call church, whether it be what we saw on the screen with Steve Martin or whether it be somebody you know, acting in, uh, as a judgment, in a judgment-type manner 
or whether it be something else. I'm sorry about that. I grieve for that because so many people have wrong views. And it's not so much that I care that they have a wrong view of church. What really bothers me is they end up with a wrong view of God. And that bothers me because that's not God. And, uh, and I know God and I know that. So those are kind of my three movements of, of, of purpose here this morning. And, and here's the thing that I want to say, and I want to say it clearly, and I'm probably going to say it two or three times, and that is there must be a place where one can explore and experience authenticity in their faith. There must be a place like that. We call that church. Here, we call that renaissance. We're not the only one. Um, we're just the bit, no. Uh, we're not the only one. We're not the only one, and I don't, I, I don't intend to ever say that or believe that. I don't believe that. Right? And, and there are many different brands, many different colors, and many different sizes, and, you know, and I, you know, there's many different names and all kinds of other things. But there must be a place where one can explore and experience authentic faith, and certainly that's what we are about here. Now, I want to begin by giving you some thoughts from some people that will, uh, I think, some of them are kind of fun. Some of them are very meaningful. First one comes from a country preacher. He's, he's, uh, he's no longer with us. And I've read, some of his, I've read one or two of his books. Vance Havner is his name. Country preacher from somewhere in the South. Listen to what he said. Too many church services start at 11 sharp and end at 12 dull. <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> Especially for this 11 o'clock service, huh? I've got to be quick here with this. Um, <laughs> St. Thomas, one of my favorites, St. Thomas said this, Clearly the person who accepts the church as an infallible guide will believe whatever the church teaches. That's not good. The church is not an infallible guide, this one or any other one. How do you know that, Rich? Because I know the people who lead churches, and they are all fallible and fallen, and I'll, I'll head up the class on that one. I'm at the top of the heap of the fallen, all right? So that's what, what Tom, which was really an amazing, with the time that he said that, the person who accepts the church as an infallible guide will believe whatever the church teaches. That's not a good thing. Great writer Henry Ward Beecher said this, the church is not a gallery for the exhibition of eminent Christians, but a school for the education of imperfect ones. I think that says it all right there. And uh, Dr. King, in letters from a Birmingham jail in 1963, put it this way, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. That is so true. What Dr. King did, he started where? In the local church. Civil rights movement starting a local church after church after church. Years before that, William Wilberforce in England started what became the abolition of slavery in church. That's, that's, what, that's what the church is to be, that kind of a podium, that kind of a focal point for society. You say, well, we're not there anymore. Well, we can still be, and unfortunately, we're not always there anymore. It doesn't mean we can't still strive for that, and that's what it is to be. One of my favorite writers and, and speakers, and uh, met him a couple of times, Bill Hybels, Willow Creek Church in Chicago, put it this way, and I, I like the way he says this, the local church is the hope of the world. 
And I believe that. The local church is the hope of the world. That's why I've committed my life to this thing called church. Because it is through the church that we, we teach and proclaim who Jesus is, who Christ is, the love of God. How God can take lives and turn them around. How God can give people purpose and meaning when they have a relationship with him. The local church is the hope of the world. It is. Because that's the vehicle from which the grace, the love, the goodness of God, and all that goes with that, whether it be the fact that all men were created equal or whether it be any other kind of morality that is taught, needs to, be come, needs to come and comes from the church. Now, I've said all that, and I want, to take you, I want to take you to the Bible now because I think this is the best thing we can do. I want to take you to the Bible and to a passage that I have studied, I guess, and read and over and over and over again for well over 25 years when I first learned of this passage and I was studying to be a pastor um, because it really elucidates what the church is supposed to be. And it comes, and I'm going to show it to you on PowerPoint. It's uh, some of Paul's writings. comes from Ephesians. And the Apostle Paul has just talked about the fact where we pick it up the reading. He has just talked about the fact that God gives gifts to men and women uh, to, be, to, 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 to help one another. We all have different gifts. Some of us, you know, some of us teach, some of us encourage, some of us help serve in other ways. We're all servants. Um, and, and he says, we all have gifts, and here's why we all have gifts. And I'll just pick it up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Then we will no longer be like children, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, we will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly, and as each part does its own special work, each one of us, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Tells us really what the church is to be. So here's what I want to do. I'm just going to, based on those verses, and there's a lot of other places, places we could go, but we do have time constraints. Um, I want to just, based on those verses, I want, to, I want to give you 10 very, and some of them I'll talk about, some of them I'm just going to say and move on. I'm going to call 10 ingredients of what the church should be. All right? Again, some of you are very interested in this because you, you, you believe in church and been coming to a church or going to some church for a long time. Some of you are like, you know, I don't know that I really need to hear this. I'm not even sure I believe in, in Jesus. That's okay. I want you to listen carefully because you need to know what's right. You need to know the truth, okay? And then make your decisions and whatever um, decisions you, need to, you want to make based upon that. So, so here we go. I'm going to go through this rather quickly, and then I want to come back and do something else with them. Ten ingredients of what the church should be based on Ephesians chapter 4. We just read that. Remember what he says? Uh, we, we want, we don't, we, he says, we'll no longer be like children forever changing our minds about what we believe. We're to, we're to be... Part of the purpose of the church is to, is to, for lack of a better term, mature those who have come to faith in Christ, to grow them up, so to speak, in what their beliefs are. Because what I am, you say, what is import, what's important about what I believe? Because how I live is based upon what I believe. It's a very important truth. How I live is based on what I believe. Now, hang on to that thought. We'll come back to it. Ten ingredients of what church should be. Number one, safe. What do you mean by safe? What does that mean? Safe for questions, for questioners and questionnaires. Face, excuse me, safety for people to be able to voice doubts. 
for people to be able to explore without feeling like they are an outsider or like they're going to be condemned or like they're going to be judged. See, here's the issue. So many times people come into a church and, and, and they feel like, well, you know, we're not one of them. We haven't, we haven't drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak. Bad pun, but you understand my point. Um, they, shouldn't, they shouldn't feel that way. They shouldn't be made to feel that way. There should be safety. There has to be a place where people can explore and experience authentic faith in a real world. There has to be a place like that. That's the church. One of the great lessons in my life, I'm, I'm, I'll just be real blunt about this. One of the great lessons in my life as a minister, I've been a pastor for over 25 years. I don't know, I, I lost track at 25. It's, 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 I think it's probably a lot more than that. But anyway, um, one of the greatest lessons has come to me in the last couple of years. And it's been right here. And that has been, I never knew how important, how people did not feel comfortable coming to church, not sure about what we were doing. It never occurred to me that there were a large number of people who wanted to come, who thought about coming, and who were like, yeah, but I'm not sure I buy into this. And I had said, on a, I went through about two, two or three week period where I, I ended up talking with two or three different guys over lunch where they were like, they were like I'm not sure I buy into this. And I'm like, that's okay, come anyway. And they were like, really, that's okay? I was like, yeah, that's fine. That's why we're here. Never occurred to me. I mean, call me naive, call me silly, call me stupid. But it never occurred to me there were people who didn't feel comfortable coming to a church when they had doubts or they had questions or they weren't even sure any of it was true. Let me tell you something. We all have questions. It's just whether or not we're honest about them. Luther said it best, I think. Lord, I believe. Now help me in my unbelief. You know, and this needs to be a safe place where people can come without feeling condemned, without feeling like, you know, they're being judged, and that they can say, you know, I'm not sure I buy all this. Well, hey, you know, how secure are you in your beliefs that you can't take people questioning it? It's one of the questions I always ask. And, who, and how big is a God who's going who's to condemn someone who doubts his existence? God's okay with that. I think that eventually that person may come to understand, you know, if they're, if they're honest seekers... They may eventually come to say, hey, you know what, there, there's something to this, wherever they may end up on that whole spectrum of things. But a church needs to be a safe place to explore without feeling like they're, they're an outsider. Church needs to be instructive, instructive, be challenged intellectually, taught the scriptures in a relevant way. One of the things that just bugs the heck out of me sometimes is sometimes you, you run across... And I hope I'm not in this category, although I have been from time to time and probably will be again. But sometimes you run across ministers who are boring, okay? Um, again, I, I really, sometimes I do some really stupid things. But anyway, we're not going to get into that. It, 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 part of my motivation is I don't want to be boring. But, but um, and oftentimes, I, in my experience in, in, in ministry, when you're around ministers and so forth, people will... Because here's the deal. The Bible is not boring. I love the Bible. I love the truth in the Bible. I love how the fact that when you read the Bible and you start understanding what it really means, it's like reading today's newspaper. It's as relevant today as it was in 65 AD or three or 400 BC when some of the other writings were made. Um, it's as relevant today as it is. And the problem is the Bible's not boring. 
Many times ministers are boring, teachers of the Bible are boring, but the Bible's not boring. One of the things I always hear from people sometimes is they say, well, that minister, he's, 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 he's kind of boring and dry and goes into too much technical stuff and he really needs to be in a seminary somewhere. And my point is, oh, that's great. So he can teach more seminary guys who are going to be ministers how to be boring too? Is that what you want? You know, I just have a problem with that. That's just a little personal thing. But the point is this, the Bible's not boring. It's really not. And if it is, I, read it. And you get a different, if you need to get a, a, a different translation and a paraphrase, get the message, which is what I use oftentimes to read. Um, it just kind of makes it flow a little better. The Bible, and, and it needs to be taught in an instructive manner. And that, that's, that's my, I could really get on a soapbox. That's my, that's my life right there. I love teaching the Bible, and I love doing it because it's so important for how we live our lives. It will make a difference. When, you know, if, if, here's the issue. When you follow the principles of the Bible, in business, in your marriage, raising your kids, this is an amazing thing to me. I don't care what you believe. I do care. Let me just say that. But, but even if you don't buy into some of the things that we teach about Jesus and God, when you follow these principles of the Bible, it makes a difference in people's how they live their lives. I know, I know, I know men who are in some pretty influential positions making a lot of money, and they did that because they learned how to think about the other person first. Oh, what a novel concept. It's a Bible concept. Isn't that interesting? Equally, I've known people who haven't been very successful because they're so darn selfish. What does the Bible teach about that? I think it's pretty obvious. The Bible, the church, should be instructive. It should be challenging intellectually and teaching scriptures in a relevant manner. It should be stimulating. I've got to move here. It should be stimulating. Be thought-provoking to cause more people uh, to bring more thought to life about the meteor issues of life, about purpose, about meaning. Challenging people and, and stimulating people to think. Think about what you believe. Don't just, don't just sit there and, and swallow it. Think about it. You know, and that's the issue. One of the things I hope happens, people sometimes say, they say, well, we went home and we had the pastor for dinner, you know. Um, talking about what he said, you know. And I, you know what, I like that. I mean, I realize I'm not going to win every one of those battles or discussions, and, and that's okay. But if something we say here can cause you to leave here and talk about how that relates to your life, even if you may not agree with something that I said, and let me assure you, if you agree with everything that I say, only one of us is thinking, okay, just for the record. But if it, if it can stimulate some kind of discussion, some kind of ideas, some kind of more thought toward God, that's the purpose of the church. Church is to be inclusive, seeking to include everyone. So many times we think we want to be inclusive. And, and I think, I'm not, I'm pretty sure. Um, I was, I, let me just, I was, uh, I'll tell you this. I was, I think most of us are as sophisticated to a level that we talk about being inclusive. We've gotten behind all gotten beyond all the color stuff and all the, all the racial stuff that, that certainly plagued us in the 60s and even into the 70s. And I was in South Carolina and North Carolina just yesterday and the day before yesterday was with a good buddy playing some golf. And we went past this place. And, uh, and keep in mind, I, haven't been, I, I spent a lot of time in the South. I haven't been in the South in a long time. We went past this place as a store and they had three huge Confederate flags around it. And I just, and of course, they've been down. And I, just, I just was like, Whoa. I said, that's not something you see in New Jersey every day, let me just tell you. And uh, it, was just, it was just one of those things. That it, hopefully we're beyond some of those things here. I think probably we are. But let's talk about even in other areas, inclusion, being inclusive. 
We don't want to exclude people because they're too poor or they're too rich. Sometimes that happens in churches. You know, I have a good friend who, who's uh, done very well, and, he, and he's told me, uh, and he doesn't live in, the, in this part of the world, but, but he, uh, he told me at the time that when he first started making a lot of money, they bought a, 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 new, a new car. I wasn't that I'm BMW, not that, you know, we're not talking about a you know, Maserati or something, um, although that wouldn't be bad. Um, he, bought a, he bought a BMW, and he said, the, the, this, this was surprising to me, although it shouldn't be. He said, the sort of subtle comments that were made at church about us getting, at this particular church, about us getting a new BMW. He said, and they were fairly young, and he was doing very well. I don't, can you believe that stuff? Yeah, it happens. We need to be inclusive, both sides, both sides. And oftentimes we say, well, we need to be inclusive to, and helping you know, the down and outers. Well, how about the up and outers? People are up and, up and moving and moving out, but they still need God in their lives. You need to be inclusive. You need to be inclusive of children. That's why I, I mentioned that earlier when in the announcements talking about our children's staff. That's so important to us here. Our, our children's staff have two, two imperatives that they're to follow. And, and I had something to do with this, and I'm not the only one. We, we're very united in leadership on this. One is, in this order, some of you, some of you may not like this, but I don't care. Um, no, I do care, but anyway, <laughs> not, not too much. But we have, they have two, two imperatives for the kids. Have fun, number one, and teach them something, number two. You say, I don't like your priorities, Rich. Well, let me tell you something. You're talking to a guy who went to Sunday school for at least 50 years and, and never had any fun. Or maybe it just seemed like 50 years, okay? And never had any fun. And maybe not all kids have to have fun when, they, when they're uh, being taught something, but there are some of us who do, okay? And we want to include everybody. So they're going to learn something. Don't worry about that. But they're going to have fun too. Sometimes they have a little too much fun, but that's another issue. Um, not really. Inclusive. Encouraging. All right? Churches to be encouraging. Have an energizing effect on people, not draining people, but having a positive effect on people. Sometimes people get up. One of the nicest things I've heard about us, I don't want to talk about us all the time, but what the heck, I will, um, is that people say, well, you know, we love coming to church. Our kids love coming to church and so forth. How many times have you woken up on Sunday morning and thought, oh my gosh, is it Sunday again? You know, do we have to go to church again? You know, sometimes church has that effect on people. It's, uh, it needs to be encouraging. It needs to be, it needs to be redemptive. It needs to be redemptive. What does that mean, redemptive? Um, the church is the vehicle for God's redemptive purposes. Let me tell you what redemptive... I love this word. It's not used much anymore. And I love it. And here's why I love it. It talks about how God can take pain and, and, and divorce and, and, and abuse and redeem people out of that to something good. I had the privilege, as I just mentioned, uh, this last two days to be in, to be in South Carolina, uh, Greenville, uh, South Carolina, which is, by the way, a beautiful town. But I was there with a friend, actually two friends playing some golf, um, and we ended up, it's right on the, we're North Carolina, we're in, we kind of bounced back and forth between South Carolina and North Carolina, playing a couple of mountain courses, um, which were phenomenal right there in the Smokies. But one of those guys was a friend of mine in Vail, where I'd been a pastor of a church for 15 years. Uh, this was, this was, I don't want to say it was an epiphany, but this was just so cool for me. Because I had, I had struggled with this guy through 
uh, almost marriage breakup. Um, and, I, and I remember many, many days on the golf course and wherever else we happened to hang out, talking to him. I said, hang in there, man. Hang in there. Don't leave her. Don't leave her. And uh, all of their problems were, I won't say all, but 90% of them were caused by his own um, stupidity and lustfulness and a bunch of other things. And I remember going through so many different times of talking about that and, and him listening to me talk about that, whether it be like this or whether it be in a, on a one-on-one basis or whatever. And I had the opportunity this week to sit there with this same couple that are married and now have one of the greatest marriages in the face of the earth. The redemptive thread that God did in their lives as they both worked and as they both got their lives where they needed to be with God. And wow, that's, that's the redemptive thread of God. Now, let me, let me stop just for a moment because some of you are thinking, well, it hadn't worked that way for me. I've gone through the divorce. I've gone through the separation. I've gone through whatever. Listen, wherever you are in this whole thing, whether it be marriage or whether it be relationships, whether it be jobs, whether it be family, whether it be something else, wherever you are right now, I'm not saying you've got to go back, that may be appropriate. Don't know your situation exactly. But wherever you are, God is able in his redemptive processes to take and make something really incredible out of crap sometimes. He can really do that. That's the church's purpose. That's the vehicle of the church to talk about God's redemptive process. Where else are going to people get that? Where are they going to get that? Where else will they get that? Dr. Phil? Oh, he might be good, but we can't all watch Dr. Phil. You know, that's the purpose of the church, to talk about the redemptive processes of God in lives, in families, in friendships. I mean, in neighborhoods, in communities, whatever. That's the, that's the vehicle of the church. That's what we're here for. The Bible's full of stuff like that. God's in that business. He is. The redemptiveness of God. Challenging. Churches would be challenging to not get stale and just settle for a ho-hum living, to, to continually be reminded of the priorities that God has for us. Love God, love people. We have to, I, have to, I have to be, I'll say me, and you can include yourself. I have to be reminded of that. All the, I get, we can get so hung up on so many other things. And Jesus keeps saying, love God, most important commandment. Love God and love people. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. We still need to be, we still need to be challenged. We, we need to be challenged to break out of mediocrity of the masses and so forth. Inspiring. Churches to be inspiring. Inspiring people to live better, love deeper. Get others focused. Focus on others, not yourself. To be a better parent. To be a better spouse, to be a better worker, to be a better friend, to be more devoted possibly even in your, in your, in your relationship with God. Last two things that, I, that I'll hit very quickly. I talk about them a lot, but I'll hit them again. Churches to be entertaining. You say, it's to be entertaining? Where do you get that at? Talk about being built up. Talk about being, being strengthened. Part of the, I mean, you say, where to be entertained? Hey, who said something was wrong with that? You know, what Pope came along and said, entertainment is wrong. There wasn't one that I know of. Who knows what the Pope said. But anyway, some of them back in the Middle Ages, as you know. Um, I don't know where we got this thing. Well, you know, that church, all they want to do is have a show. You know what? If the message is clear, I don't care. Should it be fun? That's the last thing. Entertaining and fun. There's There's a fun aspect to each one of us that God created that way. Who made that a dirty word? And I'm serious about that. I mean, who says church shouldn't be fun, shouldn't be entertaining? 
hope it's not boring. You know, and when it is, it shouldn't be. So, you know, think about that. And some, of you, some of you may not agree with that, and, and that's okay. Just you, you currently have the option to disagree, but think through that a little bit, all right? Um, here's my appeal. Here's what I want you to think, and that is this. I want you to think of this thing corporately, the church, okay? Now, I want, I want to talk to two different kinds of people here. Okay, I'm going to put you in two different categories, and you put yourself wherever you want to, because in those two categories, there's a long line for each one of you. Um, the one is, I want to talk right now to the people who have crossed over that proverbial line and become a person of faith, have trusted Christ. I want to talk to you. While I'm doing that, those of you who are seekers and you're not sure where you are, I want you to listen, because you need to hear this. Okay, now, to the believer, to the person who's, who's following Christ, here's what I want to say. When you look at that list, all ten of those things, I've been talking about the church. Let me go back. What is the church? And who makes up the church? Let's see. Hmm. Individuals. So the question then really is, is not just, is the church this? That's one of the questions. But the next question is, am I as an individual member of the church? Big C, we don't get into all that membership stuff. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know, we don't really have membership here because we just think it's silly. There's only one membership that counts. That's in God's kingdom. And either you're there or you're not. And it doesn't matter whether you're, if you're not, it doesn't matter whether you're a member of Renaissance Church or First Church or any other church. What matters is where you are in God's kingdom. You know, not some church somewhere, all right? So just, you, you can stew on that and certainly, certainly can think about that and agree or disagree. But when we talk about the church, we talk about individual members. So when we, when we start talking about all these 10 things the church should be, now here's what I want to, I want to pose three or four questions for each of you individually to think through. Because what we are individuals, as individuals, is what we are corporately. So, are you safe? Can people talk to you about anything and not get condemned? Can people bring up doubts and questions in their heart and in their mind, whether it be something as, as daily or their struggle with loving their husband or their wife or their kids, or whether it be something as even some questions and some doubts that they may have about God? Can people do that without feeling condemned or ostracized by you? That's really the issue. Are you encouraging do people leave conversations with you a little more encouraged, with a little more light, a little more, you know what, that really helped. That was good. That was encouragement. That's what the church should be. That's what I, as an individual follower of Christ, should be. And those of you who aren't, those of you who are seekers and say, you know what, I haven't seen that with too many people who call themselves Christians. I'm sorry that you haven't because you should have. And I'm, I really am sorry that you haven't. And hopefully that will change. Hopefully you'll see something different. Um, are you redemptive? Are you one of those people who, who can talk to someone who's in a very difficult situation and say, hey, hang on. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but there's going to be something good for, here, for you to, to learn in this. I want to be there to help you. Doesn't mean there won't be some pain. Doesn't mean there won't be some tough times to get through. But let's hang on because there's, there's, some, there's a bigger picture going on here. The end of the story hasn't been written yet. Are you like that? Are you one of those people? Not just with your client who can come back and help you, but even with the person that's maybe having a tough day at the checkout counter at the grocery store and say, hey, I'm having a tough day. I do that every now and then, talk to them. It's, just, it's, kind of, it's kind of fun, actually, to 
Say, how you doing? Oh, you know, not too good. I love it, especially after somebody just really gets ripped on by somebody, you know, checking out at a grocery store, and you can tell the person is just really down and out, and you say, hey, I'm glad you're here. I did that the other day, and this lady was like, huh? I said, I'm glad you're here. She says, why? And I said, because you're not really one to Diet Coke, and if you hadn't been here, I wouldn't have gotten a Diet Coke, and, and this is really important to my life right now. Thank you. And she just started laughing at me. <laughs> You know, but, but the point being, sometimes we, we, we need, that's a simple little silly thing, we need to be those kind of people who can speak into the lives of, of friends and loved ones and people we work with in a redemptive way. Hey, this isn't all for naught. There's, gonna be some, there's, there's something better to come around somewhere down the road here. Hang on, hang on, you know. Um, do I inspire people just to, to live better, to love deeper? To be less selfish. You see, that's the individual. Here's the thing I want you to see. And again, I'm talking to the person of faith here, but again, all of us can, can relate to this because some of us here know what it means when we talk to someone who supposedly calls themselves a Christian or a, a believer in Jesus, and they have a lifestyle that's totally opposite of that. Here's the point, folks. There will be a number of people who you will meet probably today, certainly tomorrow. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you may be the only person that they ever see that might represent the Bible to them or church to them. What's their view? Their view might be of Steve Martin doing the dance and doing, oh, that's church. You know, or their view might be, oh, I don't like those people. Those people are all crabby and ugly. And Where'd they get that impression? Probably came from one or two people. And again, I would say to the person who's here seeking and trying to figure all this out, please, please don't blame some of the negative vibes that you have on the church based on your experience with two or three or five or ten people. Don't blame, don't blame Jesus for that. You know, even though we all have a tendency to do that. And let me say this. We all have a tendency to fail at times. I want to show you something. I, Steve read this, a few, a few, I think a few months ago, maybe it was a year or so ago, and I, I asked him for the quote from, uh, from a church father, Athanasius, Bishop of Alexander, lived around two or 300 um, and so forth. And this really says it all for us. This is what I want you to think about. And again, this is for everybody. This is whether you're a person who's committed your life to Christ or one of those people who's thinking about it. This gives you some insight into the whole thing of, of uh, what it means to be a follower of Christ. All right, let me read this. Just follow along. We were made in the likeness of God. But in course of time, that image has become obscured, like a face on a very old portrait dimmed with dust and dirt. When a portrait is spoiled, the only way to renew it is for the subject to come back to the studio and sit for the artist all over again. That is why Christ came, to make it possible for the divine image in man to be recreated. We were made in God's likeness. We are remade in the likeness of His Son. To bring about this recreation, Christ still comes to men and lives among them. In a special way, He comes to His church, His body, to show us that the image, what the image of God is really like. What a responsibility. Watch this. What a responsibility the church has to be Christ's body, showing him to those who are unwilling or unable to see him in providence or in creation. Through the word of God, lived out in the body of Christ, they can come to the Father and themselves be made again 
and the likeness of God. You are the only Bible, those of you who are followers of Christ, you are the only Bible some people will ever read. You're the only glimpse of church some people will ever see. What impression are they getting? And for those of you who are still seeking and still thinking, first of all, keep coming. Love, you. Love having you here. But I would just ask you, don't attribute to Christ and to the truth of the Bible bad experiences that you've had from those people who claim to represent him or this. Please don't. Focus on who God is first. Let's pray together. Lord, these are so important. They're such, such important truths. And I would just ask you, Lord, that, <clears throat> that we would be able to think clearly through these things. And, Lord, as I have been saying throughout, we're all coming here from different places in life and different places in our own story. And, Father, <clears throat> some of us, we just would pray to be strengthened in our faith. Others of us, I would pray that you would help us to look clearly at what it means to have faith in you and, and to continue thinking, maybe even to cross over that line, that, that, that intangible line to say, I, I want to trust you, God, right here and right now. And you can do that, right? We're just sitting. Lord, I pray that we would, we would be sensitive, be aware of that still, small voice in, 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 inside of each one of us as we think through these these vital issues of life. We thank you for that, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.